Those girls did good. They did good. I tell you, I, I love to, I, I love to hear young people sing. But more than that, I love to hear young people sing the old hymns of the faith. You know this jungle bun stuff. You know that just, that just don't get it with me. Amen. I like music. I like, I like music that lifts up my soul. And lift up to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Sorry, I didn't mean to get a little charismatic there. I didn't... Amen. <laughs> I forgot I'm not home. <laughs> when, you're, when I'm in Texas, anything goes. Amen. <laughs> but when I try to be a little bit more sophisticated when I come to somebody else's church. Amen. Well, we're glad you're here this morning. We had a wonderful morning service. We really did. Wonderful morning service. I appreciate good crowd this morning. And um, the pastor thing is a good Sunday school lesson. He's talking to his son. He's not paying attention. And um, he had a good Sunday school lesson. Good Sunday school lesson. <laughs> and uh, on, on stewardship, that was good. That was really good. So glad you're here. Uh, we have enjoyed uh, being here for uh, Thanksgiving. And, and uh, we went over to the, new, the newer, well, it's not the most recent building. Your most recent building is that way, right? And they got a building over there. We had a Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, let's see, what did they play? They played pickleball. pickleball. And um, what was that game we played? Mafia. 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 They killed me first. <laughs> why, why? You know, I, I play one game and I get knocked out the first time. I'm not playing with them no more. I'm going to ta- take my pacifier and go home, bless God. <laughs> but uh, we had a... We had a good time with them, and the mil- some of the military families were there. A good time of fellowship with them and getting to know their families better. And one of them taught my wife how to throw axes. Was it a military? Yeah, you still threw them. And, um, <laughs> and that's dangerous. That's dangerous right there. And, um, but we, had a, we, uh, we did have a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, yesterday we uh, went for a little while. Went to Silas's grave yesterday and um, had some time. And um, <clears throat> I, I encourage you, this is going to sound morbid, uh, go, go to the grave of your, of your loved ones. It's a great time to reminisce and remember, telling stories and laughing and crying together. It's a good time, no matter how long you've had them or whatever it may be. And, um, and so you, you should do that sometime. You should make that a, an effort. I know they're not there, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. I understand that. And, but it's a time of relaxation and, or just a time of getting together. Amen. Well, that's all I'll say. Let's go to Psalm 86 this morning. Psalm 86 this morning. I preached on prayer in the early service. We had fun with that. And I I thought I'd preach it again this morning in this service. I am going to preach on prayer, but I'm going to preach a different aspect of it this morning. We can't get enough messages on prayer. We just can't get enough of it. The reason is because we don't do enough of it. We just don't do enough of it. And uh, Psalm 86, Psalm 86, 
And if you can, and if you have found your place, and if you can and you're able, would you stand with me? And uh, as we read Psalm 86, verses 1 through 7 this morning, I'll read if you'll just follow right along this morning. Notice David's, David's prayer. He said, bow down thine ear, O Lord. Have you ever been in your life where you felt like you needed to ask God to listen? This is where David is at. This is where David is at in his life. He wouldn't have said bow down if he didn't, if he didn't sense that there was some type of a separation issue there. Lord, listen to me. I've got something really heavy on my heart is what he's saying. He said, bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am, ho- for I am holy. O thou, my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. Now, our Heavenly Father, this morning we're thankful for your word. And we're thankful for the privilege that we have to open up the blessed word of God. We know that you have a message for us today. And we know that the Holy Spirit desires to deliver that message. May our hearts be open to that message. And then may we respond to that the Holy Spirit would do in our lives. Now I ask that you'd bless today. May your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. As I mentioned this morning in our our early hours, we, uh, we live in... We live in troublesome days. We live in days where, where the world and the flesh and the devil are making it even more difficult for you and I to consider the things of the, of the Lord. There are so many things that fight us. When you come to church, the church is a, in my opinion, it's a, we, we are in a sanctuary, but the church is a sanctuary. It's a place where you and I come and we can just sit down, relax, breathe in and out, bring our worship, and listen to God. I love church. Uh, I, I, my mother was my Sunday school teacher, and she took us to churches. My sister and I, as often as she could and as often as my father would allow. I thank God that my daddy got saved later in his life, and I praise the Lord for that. My children, our girls, never knew a grandfather that wasn't saved. I thank God for that. I did not grow up in that atmosphere like many of you probably did grow up in a Christian home. We decided that when my wife and I got married almost 41 years ago this coming July, we decided when we started having children that our children were going to grow up in a Christian home. 
And we would read in the morning. We would have devotions and we'd have prayer together. There was seldom a day that went by. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm just saying there wasn't a, sale, a day, a seldom a day that went by that we did not send our children either off to school or when mama was homeschooling them, that we did not start our day off in prayer as a family. And oftentimes, as we have been even this week, uh, that Brother uh, Seth and Miss Hannah would uh, have prayer with their children before they go to bed. And I think that's a good way to have a good way to start your day off in prayer and a good way to end your day in prayer. Amen. Uh, both sides are really good sides. I like to pray. I've been around many good men in my lifetime, and I've been blessed by by being a part and being able to see a generation of preachers that we really know not today. I've been around them. I've preached some of them. I preached with. And many of them, and most of them, in many ways, I had preached for me. I'll tell you a story. We were, um, Mom and I were in a little town called um, Crawfordsville, Indiana. It was the very first church we ever pastored. <clears throat> That's where Hannah was born there. And, and uh, we weren't there too much longer after that. And, but she was born there. And we had a little church out in the country. I think it ran about 40 or 50 people. And um, it was my first introduction to Dr. Lee Robertson. I asked Dr. Robertson to come, and he preached for two days for me. I picked him up at the, I picked him up at the, um, at the Indianapolis airport and um, scared to death. 23, 24 years old, young man, scared to death. How in the world? What am I going to say to this man? And I picked him up at the airport. We drive uh, 60 or so miles from Indianapolis to Crawfordsville. And we talked about it. He said, he looked at me. He says, now, what do you want, Brother Parker? What do you want? What do you want? I said, I just want you to preach the Bible. What, what, are, you, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I said, whatever you want to give us. And, uh, you know, and, um, and so we get to, we only have one hotel. Um, and, no, we had two hotels in Crawfordsville. And um, we went to the hotel and we walked, we walked in. I took his luggage, and he walked in. And the service, that was, we got in there about 3 o'clock, I guess. And, um, and then we were going to, um, I was going to come back and pick him up. And he, uh, he said, now let's have prayer before the service is tonight. I said, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. And uh, so let's kneel down. And he, he knelt. It was a room that didn't have one bed. It had two beds. And he had one for each night. And... Um, and, uh, and so we, we nailed down, and uh, he was on one side, I was on the other. He says, I'll pray. And um, I say, okay. And uh, so he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And I'm telling you, something changed in that room that night, that day. Something happened that I had never experienced before. I looked over at Dr. Robertson and I saw a man that as far as I was concerned was almost literally in the very presence of God. I heard him pray and then God got a hold of his heart. He prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for the meeting. And then all of a sudden he just kind of went <clears throat> and he looked at me and he said, Parker, I'm sorry, now you pray.
I looked at Dr. Roberts and said, Dr. Roberts, and I said, you pray enough for both of us. <laughs> and uh, and we, we, I left, and I went and picked him up and, um, and, uh, at the meeting. <clears throat> 1983, 84, I think it was. It might have been 1984. The sword of the Lord was in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bob Jones University campus. And, and I went to I wanted to go to Bob Jones and to hear to see the see the, uh, the the conference speakers, and uh, and I said you know I told my wife I said man I hate to go all the way to Greenville South Carolina and not be able to sit down with with Dr Harold Seiler, and so so I I, I called his office and and uh, I went there I went there and uh, we we sat in his office for just a little while and talked. And, um, and he uh, looked at me and he said, young man, are you hungry? I said, well, yeah, I could eat. And he says, let's go. So he gets up out of his office. We go out the, out the back and he gets in his car. I get on, uh, he gets in his car. I get in the driver's side. We go down some little old podunk, little old restaurant in, um, in Greenville, South Carolina. You know, one of those little mom and pop places, you know, those greasy spoon cafes where all the good food's at, you know? And uh, we sit down at a table we both have beans and cornbread. Man, that man loved onions. <laughs> I think he ate a whole onion. And um, we went back to the office just a little while and uh, sat down. I said, I said uh, Dr. Seitler, I said, uh, would you, uh, before I leave here, I, I know you've got to preach tonight. He says, yes, sir. He says, I'm preaching on the Shibbeth tonight at, at the conference. Never forget that. And he did. Man, he just preached it good, too. And, uh, and he gave me some little bit of advice. <clears throat> and he said, he said, now, let me have prayer with you before you leave. I said, yes, sir. He bowed his head. And for the second time in my life, I realized I was somewhere other than just in an office. That man got a hold of God. He got a hold of God. I could tell you story after story after story. And if I could, if I could, I love those old men, those old, and I say that respectfully. I love those old men. I love their preaching. I still listen to them today. But I can news for you. I would much rather them have time of prayer with me than listen to them preach. There's a whole big difference. And boy, they knew how to pray. And then I, 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 I thought myself, I want to be a prayer warrior. I want to be a prayer warrior. And then over the years, I know just like you, just like everybody, we go through a time in our life where prayer is, is, is on the, one of the first things on our mind. And then we go through some times where prayer is the last thing on our mind. And it's not as in-depth as it is when it, or when it was, and we kind of lose focus on that. And it's easy for Christians to, ne- to neglect praying for themselves. We know how to pray for everybody else. I have a philosophy because I'm not, I don't have a very good memory. I have, a, I have short-term memory. I seriously do. And um, I can remember things that happened. My wife says, how can you remember things 20, 25 years ago, but, how, but you can't remember anything from yesterday? Anybody else have that problem? And so, and so when somebody comes to me at, at church, they'll always just say, Pastor, will you, will you pray for me about this situation? I do two things. I say, first of all, will you write it down for me? Because if you don't write it down, I'm going to forget it. And I want to put it in my prayer book so I can remember it. And then I said, before you leave, let me pray with you. And I do that because I make a promise to pray for him. 
But I don't want to break my promise if I forget to pray for them. So before they leave, I pray for them. Does that make sense? All right. So I, so I, do, that. I do that almost every single time. And, and they'll say, well, Pastor, will you pray for me? Or a preacher will call and say, Brother Parker, I just want to have some prayer time. Would you pray with me over the phone? A missionary uh, this past week called and said, would you pray with me? And some other folks, ch- church members, they'll call, Pastor, pray for me. We have what's called a one call on our church. I don't know that if you have anything like that. We have a one call. And every week I, I make a phone call and it goes to all of our people. And um, sometimes on Mondays and Thursday, I'll make a phone call, and I'll do nothing but just simply say, "I trust this is preacher. I hope you have a good day, a good week. Let's have prayer before you start your week." And so that prayer goes through every, to every cell phone or house phone or whatever it goes throughout the week. Now, why do I do that? I do that because I just believe that prayer is the most important thing in our Christian life, and. Sometimes I admit, and I'm admitting it publicly, sometimes I'm an utter failure at my prayer life. An utter failure. And God reminds me sometimes of my need of praying for myself. We know how to pray for everybody because they give us a a prayer list or they give us a prayer request. And we know how to pray for everybody. Maybe you've gone to your pastor and said, Preacher, I need a new job. And he prays for a new job. And he writes that down. He continues to pray for it. I got a decision I have to make. And he writes that down. And maybe there's a spiritual need in your life that he knows about that maybe you may not know about. And he writes that down. And and he prays for that. He knows how to pray for you. And I'm satisfied he knows how to pray for himself as far as that's concerned. But most of us, if not all of us, know how to pray for other folks. But we forget the essentiality of praying for ourselves. You see, we've been taught about the Christian life that everything's about giving. Giving of ourselves over and over. And it's it's not wrong. It's right. Jesus came and he came to die. He came to give. He came to give himself. He came to give salvation. And Jesus prayed for those. But if you're not, if you don't, if you don't forget, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed for himself. Right before he went to heaven. And it was a powerful, powerful prayer when he prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup fall from me, pass from me. We forget, we forget the, the essentiality, the importance of taking time to pray for ourselves. And as a result of not praying for ourselves, we sometimes make decisions that are, number one, unscriptural, number two, out of the will of God. Because we, if we're not praying about our needs, then we're, if we're not careful, we'll allow our flesh to direct us. And your flesh will give you plenty of peace for about that, about that period of time. Until you make that decision and the next day you're saying, man, I wish I hadn't have did that. I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have gone there. I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I, there's been times in my life and you have too probably. There's been times in my life that I've given counsel to someone the next day had to go back and say, you know what, I've been thinking about what I said and I didn't quite have the whole picture. I need, let's, let's, re, let's, let's rehearse that whole thing again so I can give you a little bit, more, a little bit better advice scripturally. Prayer. By praying for ourselves, we can keep from yielding to temptation. And be delivered from evil. It's also how you and I can be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And it's also how you and I can get wisdom. Purity of heart. Direction on God's path. Communication with the Lord. Understanding and seeing His glory are also the things that you and I can cherish through prayer. There's no better way. There's simply no better way to draw closer to the Lord than prayer. Reading the Bible is God speaking to you. Praying is you speaking to God. David was always seeking God on his behalf. Now, David often prayed many types of prayers in his life. But in Psalm 86, there's a unique phrase when he says this. He says, I cry unto thee daily. Daily. The importance of prayer. As I said a moment ago, we're often, we often pray for others. And by the way, we should. But at the same time, to neglect our own spiritual needs through prayer can be devastating. Let me ask you, or let me just make some statements this morning that I think that can help you. Let's consider, if you would, this morning, the importance of praying for self and exactly how you and I should pray, one for, how we should pray for ourselves. That sounds odd. That sounds odd. Praying for ourselves. Well, what should I pray for? I think, number one, we ought to pray for what, what, I, what the Bible describes as conviction. Conviction. There is a difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction can bring guilt, but guilt will never bring conviction. Guilt is a process of my feelings that I simply quickly get over. For instance, your pastor can be up preaching one Sunday morning and he, he hits you spiritually right between the eyes. And all of a sudden, you're oh, that hurt. And all of a sudden, this guilt feeling comes on. Then the invitation is given. And by the time the invitation is given, the guilt, the guilt filtering is gone. And you walk out as if nothing ever happened. But when conviction is brought, and the Spirit of God delivers conviction, that's something that you oftentimes take out of the auditorium even after the invitation. Conviction. <clears throat> Years ago, there was a, a, a lady, <clears throat> for the sake of the story, she was a Mormon lady, and she, has, she was attending our church, and, um, and she told me she was going to move. She had been attending for several weeks. And I met with her, and I said to her, you need to get saved. She knew she needed to get saved. And uh, she called me one Sunday afternoon. She says, I just want you to know that I appreciate you and, and you and Mrs. Parker, but we're, I'm leaving and, and, and make a long story short. I said, you need to come to church and uh, you need to come to church this afternoon. Come to church this Sunday afternoon. And she came to church that Sunday afternoon and I led her to Christ. She went back home. I didn't think I was going to see her again. She went, back, she went back to her place, I thought, assumably to start packing. And she comes back to the church on a Sunday night and she come in walking. I mean talking. She walked in bouncing. There was a big, big difference in her life. And she stood up and she said, I've been a Mormon all my life. She said, today I became a child of God. I became a child of God. When we spent time week after week, day after day after day praying for her. Praying for her. What happened? Conviction. Conviction. 
But what about us? How should we pray? We ought to pray, Lord, convict me. Lord, convict me. Convict me of my sinfulness. Convict me of my sinfulness. Convict me of my selfishness. Convict me of my pride. Convict me of my wrong desires. Convict me of my spiritual laziness. David said, I cry, I cry daily unto God. How many of you have ever seen the movie Sheffy? The ones who haven't seen it, you have missed out. What a great movie. Kind of slow, but it's a good movie. But the whole, I brought, I brought this up because a preacher friend of mine was preaching in Virginia. And uh, he, he, went by, he, he went by Sheffy's grave uh, last week. But Robert Sheffy was an old-time Methodist preacher, an old-time Methodist preacher up in, the, up in the mountains of West Virginia and Virginia. And, uh, and the one thing about Brother Sheffy is everything that I read about Brother Sheffy is he wasn't necessarily a great preacher, but he was a great prayer warrior. He would, he would have those camp meeting times, and he would take his, his, uh, his fleece, and he would take it, and go up on the side of the mountain while they were preaching down yonder. He'd go up side of the mountain. He'd be praying. And he would, he would try to be in tune with God. And he'd pray for the power of God to come down. And he'd look down. He'd see the invitations come. And he would walk down during the invitation and begin to lead people to Christ during the invitation. Praying for yourself. Lord, convict me. Sheffy said this. He said, as much as I love prayer, I find myself doing so little of it. Prayer. Lord, convict me to do right under the temptation to do wrong. The Bible tells us, yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. And sometimes, 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 sometimes there's such a strong temptation to draw you away from God and from the things of God where at that point in your life you, have to, you ought to say, oh God, help me. I need you right now. I am fighting a spiritual battle that I desperately, desperately, desperately need your help. Temptation. When you're being tempted, you should pray. When uh, Convict me, Lord, to lean upon you when I'm apt to give up. I know things happen in a Christian's life and disappointment comes to everybody. But sometimes, sometimes it can be, some, it can be so heavy that you say, I'm done. I'm done. Lord, convict me. Convict me. That's not a bad thing to pray. Not a bad thing to pray at all. Because conviction draws you closer to God. It helps you grow in the Lord. Conviction. Lord, convict me. Lord, cleanse me. How many remember the day you got saved? Remember that day? Wasn't that a glorious day in your life? What a glorious day. November of 1969, I heard the gospel for the first time in my life that I remember. I was listening to a little preacher on the, north side, on the east side of Indianapolis, west side of Indianapolis. His name was Reverend Schindler. Came out, of the, came out of the Nazarene background and became a Baptist preacher. He was, he was so short, all you could see was his head. 
when he preached. That morning he preached on hell. And for the first time in my life, I knew I was lost and on my way there. I was, my daddy was sitting here. One of the few times daddy was ever sitting in church, he was right there. I was right here. My mama was right here. My sister was on the other side. He gave the invitation. I looked at my daddy. I said, I want to get saved. He looked at me and he said, stand there. Don't you move. Never ask an unsaved person about a spiritual thought because he didn't know any different. He didn't know any different. All he wanted to do was go home and eat supper. That's what he was for. I heard his stomach growling. And boy, the invitation was given, and the longer I was there, the more conviction I was there, was there. And all I knew is I was, a, all I felt was dirty and sinful. And that morning, for the first time in my life that I rightly remember, I deliberately disobeyed my father. I stood right out in front of him. I didn't even look up. I was afraid to. I didn't look up. I looked down. Went, took two steps, made a left, and made my way down to an old-fashioned altar where there was a man waiting for me. And the man said, son, why, why are you here? I said, I want to get saved. I knelt down that old altar, and he led me to Christ. I walked back. This time I didn't walk back with my head down. I walked back with my head up, looked at my daddy eyeball to eyeball, waiting to hear if my dad say something. Never heard a word. Dad never said one word. God shut his mouth. I stood back in there. They gave the invitation, finished the invitation. We walked out. Here's what happened. I got in the back of my car, our mama's car, daddy's car. And I said to mama, I said, I said this, boy, I feel like the weight of the world's off of me. As a nine-year-old boy, my mama looked at me and she says, that's because sin's been lifted. And Jesus cleansed you in his precious blood. We ought to ask God for cleansing. Sometimes even as a Christian, we can feel, we can feel dirty and, and, and unclean and, and disastrous because of our... It's not necessarily because we haven't done anything necessarily bad, if you understand what I mean by that, but we've just been lethargic in our Christian life and lethargic in our Christian walk and lethargic, if you would, in our, in our, in our Bible reading and so on, in our prayer life. And, 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 and then God speaks to your heart and say, listen, you need to spend some more time in prayer. And you walk down and you say, oh, God, cleanse me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Man, I've talked to everybody in the world, but I haven't talked to you this week. I've said everything in the world to people that I know and love. But Lord, you and I haven't had much time talking with one another. I haven't talked to you. Lord, I want you to know. Lord, I'm, I need to be cleansed. I need, I need some cleansing. I need, to be, I need to be made clean. And that's what David said. That's what David was talking about. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. May I remind you that the sin, there is a sin of prayerlessness. Purge me with hyssop, he says, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And then he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me in Psalm 51. Lord, cleanse me from within so that I can do that which is proper without. An unclean heart produces an unclean life, but a clean heart produces a clean walk that the world sees. You see, the world can't see this, but the world can see this. And the world's not concerned about this. What the world is concerned is about this. 
This is what it's, that's what it's concerned about. Cleanse my heart, not just my head. Cleanse my walk, not just my talk. Lord, cleanse me that the world may know, that the world may know and those around me may know that I'm a child of God and I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding and I can walk and smile and sing unto God. Oh, thank God. Lord, cleanse me. David said, I cry unto thee daily. Listen, let me help you out. When you sin, get it right then and there because you don't have brains enough to remember it all. Amen. You need to deal with it right then and there, the best you can, wherever you are. Get it done right then and there. Do not wait. Besides that, you are not guaranteed one second longer in life. Lord, cleanse me. And then, Lord, change me. Here's a good one, Psalm 51.10. Renew a right spirit within me. Boy, sin sure can give us a cruddy spirit, can't it? Yeah. Give us a cruddy spirit. We respond wrong. We talk wrong. We talk rough. We talk gruff. All the things that go along with us. We don't take time for anybody. We don't take time for us. We don't take time for God. And boy, that old sinful life can cause us to just stray away from God and push God and everything about God away. But then you come to the Lord and say, Oh God, I need a right spirit. I need a right spirit. I need to have, I need to have a right walk. And Lord, change my outlook. Lord, help me to look at life from your viewpoint. Well, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Because we see, we see life from our viewpoint, and sometimes we see life from other people's viewpoint, when in reality, we need to see life from God's viewpoint. To see it from the scriptural viewpoint of how God looks at things. Lord, help me. Lord, convict me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, change me. Change my life that, that I see from your viewpoint. Lord, change my life that others, I can see others from your viewpoint. Have you ever met somebody you just didn't like immediately? Don't look at me. It's not time to pray. Look up. Okay. There's not a person in this room that hasn't met somebody on the very first point that just had a bad thought. Not a bad thought, but a, a, just a, I don't feel comfortable on that person. Right? First, we, all, we never get a second chance to make a first impression. Maybe, and that's what it is. It's a first impression. And boy, that, you go away with that first impression. And it's not a good first impression. But what's really neat this is when you say, dear Lord, help me, to look at some, help me to look at this person through your eyes. Through your eyes. And when you and I begin to pray, dear God, help change me that I can look at the world and others around me through your eyes. You look, at, you look, through, you look through the eyes of grace and mercy. And without those, all of us are nigh dead anyway. Grace and mercy. Lord, help me to, help me, Lord, to look at others from your viewpoint. Help me to look at the trials that I'm going through, through your viewpoint. Through your eyes. 
I don't like anyone like trials. I don't like them at all. As a matter of fact, if I could do away with them, I'd, I'd, I'd vote for that. Yeah. But I also know this. Without trials, I can't grow. Without trials, I have no way of seeing who I am and how good he is. I have no way of being able to view God from his viewpoint without trials. I have, no, I have no way of being able to, to look at and, and to be able to experience God's grace, his mercy, his long-suffering in my life, in the life of others. I have no way of being able to view all that through God's eyes without trials. The Bible says the trial of your faith being more precious than gold. And those trials come into your life and they and they they take off the dross out of our life and the and the and the all the negative out of our life and oh Lord help me to see cleanse me Lord help me change my life Lord help me to see as you see help me to see trials at what you're wanting me to go through and to view and to experience and to understand as I'm going through these trials Lord change my outlook Lord change my outcry. Lord, use me. Lord, don't let me be used. Use me. Use me for your glory. Lord, help me for your glory. Lord, fill me for your glory. And Lord, lead me for your glory. Once a month, once a month, we have a, I have a men's prayer meeting once a month, and last, usually the last Sunday, of the month, last Saturday of the month, I'm sorry, the last Saturday of the month. Have it at 7 o'clock. And there'll be some of us who will sometimes, I'll be honest with you, there have been some Saturdays just been me. I don't complain because I don't put a, I don't put a, I don't put a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a, I don't tell my deacons they have to be there. I don't tell any of my men you have to be there. All I say is, preacher's praying at, four, at 7 o'clock on Saturday night, the last Saturday of every month. You want to come be with me, come be with me. If you don't, then stay home. But I'm going to be at the altar. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Sometimes I have a lot of them, sometimes I have a few of them. Sometimes just being a couple of us. No complaints. Because I'm not there for them. I'm there to meet God. And some, some of those nights when it's just me, some of the best prayer meetings I've ever had. Just me and God. Just me and God. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll go to my knees. Brother Edmondson, I'll go to my knees and sometimes there's such a, such a, a heaviness that comes over my heart that God wants to do something. And sometimes, preacher, I'll be, on, I'll be on my knees and I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. And my eyes begin to flood with tears and I begin to cry and weep. Brother, not knowing what I'm weeping for. Man, I thought when I was young I was going to be Tough. Seems like I've gotten older. I've gotten to become a little more, more of a sissy, a little bit more tears. And then I found out one day that tears are a language that God truly does understand. 
So I, I don't want less tears in my life. I want more tears in my life. And I want tears when I pray. And I want tears when I preach. I couldn't sing this morning because I was listening to y'all sing and my heart was lifted up. And I knew that if I'd have lifted up my heart in the sing, I'd have, I'd have lost it right then. Just saying to you, sometimes we, we've got to learn to pray for ourselves. God, bring conviction. Bring cleansing. Lord, please, please, whatever you do, change my life. You can change, you change brother so-and-so, you change sister so-and-so, you save so-and-so, you changed my life a amount of years ago when I got born again. And Lord, I'm in a process of a change in my spiritual growth. God, change me. I need to be changed. I want to draw closer to you. And then Lord, cultivate me. Cultivate my life. The word cultivate simply means this means to improve or to prepare. It means to loosen or dig the soil around me. To grow, to intend, to plant. Peter said it this way. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Fallow ground. Fallowed but left unseated during a growing season. Characterized by that inactivity. Land was allowed to lie fallow that it might become more fruitful. But when in this condition it soon became overgrown with thorns and weeds. The cultivator of the soil, that's the farmer, was careful to break up that fallow ground to clear the field of weeds and before sowing seed in it. The idea is then simply this, Lord, cultivate my heart. Lord, get rid of all the weeds. Get rid of those things that are hindering my spiritual growth. Get rid of it. Husband, get rid of it. Mama, get rid of it. Young people, get rid of it. Because God can't use us any greater than our prayer life. A praying church is a powerful church. A praying pastor is a powerful pastor. A praying deacon is a powerful deacon. A praying singers are powerful singers. Pa- praying instrument players, if I say it that way, are powerful. Boy, they, I tell you what, they hit, the, they hit the music, they hit those keys a lot better when they're right with God when they're not right with God. You sing better when you're right with God. You open up your mouth loud and let her fly. May not be good, but you let her fly. Prayer. Lord, sometimes I just don't pray like I ought to. I'm just not transparent with you sometimes like I should be. I'm not right with you sometimes. 
I sure thank you for the conviction you bring. Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse my heart. It's dirty. It needs washed. Change my life. Cultivate me. Help me to grow. That I can be more like you. Help me, Lord. Help me. That I cry unto thee daily. Daily, I want you to hear from me. I want to be so close to God that when I look up and I say, Lord, I love you, God says, I know. I know. Let me have every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor's going to come here. I give an invitation with every head bowed and every eye closed. How many would say, first of all, Brother Parker, I know I'm saved. I could take you back to a time and a place in my life that I know that I was born again. Can I see your hand? Would you raise it up? Real, real high for the Lord. God bless you. I could not see every hand, but can I pray for you? Will there be some this morning? You say, Brother Parker, I don't know for sure I'm saved. God knows my heart. I don't want to die and go to hell. God knows my heart. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you pray for me? Can I see you? Can I pray for you? I can't pray in heaven, but I can pray for you. If you, give me your, if you let me have the honor of praying for you. How many Christians would say this morning, preacher, God spoke to my heart, challenged my heart about this thing about prayer. God dealt with my heart to pray more effectively for myself and to be instant in season and out of season thing about prayer. God spoke to my heart, challenged my heart about it. Can I see your hand? Would you lift that real high? God spoke to my heart, pastor. God bless you. A praying people, a praying church. God's blessings are surely upon you. Can we have let's stand together, please? And before I have turned it over to the pastor with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just indulge me just for a moment? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the musicians are playing wherever they might be, would you just play very softly just for a moment? God spoke to your heart. Would you make your way to an old-fashioned altar this morning?